This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 158. So the subject for today's episode is making great images in bad locations. And I'll explain what I mean by this in just a moment. Now, one of the things I frequently recommend to photography students or new photographers that are just getting started out is don't let your creativity become stale. Now, what I mean is don't use lame excuses like, oh, if I only lived near Yosemite or the Grand Canyon, then I could make fantastic images. In reality, if you lived near one of these remarkable places, then all you would do is take the same cliched images we've all seen over and over again. A truly great photograph is taken taken anywhere that a skilled photographer happens to be. It doesn't have to be a world-famous landmark. It doesn't have to be Stonehenge. It doesn't have to be Yosemite or the Grand Canyon or any of those places. A truly skilled photographer can make a great image absolutely anywhere in the world. Now, don't be upset when I say that you live in a bad location. But I have photographers frequently complain that they have nothing to photograph. It doesn't matter if you live in some place like Flint, Michigan, or the smoggy streets of Los Angeles, California, or a small country town in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up. All making great images requires is opening your eyes. Open your eyes, even in the crappiest of locations, will lead to brilliant work in growing your skills as a photographer. Now, one of the biggest keys to taking great photographs anywhere is look for color in everything. Even a drab location has brilliant colors of some form or fashion, such as neon signs. Your camera will highlight these colors in low light, so shoot them at nighttime. Another interesting place to shoot is a local mall with varied lighting. Your camera will accentuate the differences between tungsten and fluorescent sodium and metal halloid lights, which are invisible to our eyes. And, of course, today, in this day and age, you're going to find a lot of places with LED lights. Now, LED lights can sometimes be problematic as can fluorescent lights, because they can cause some weird things to happen. You know, your camera can react badly to them, especially if you're shooting mirrorless. I know a lot of mirrorless cameras have banding issues um, when you shoot in certain types of light, LED lights, and sometimes uh, fluorescent lights as well. But give it a shot. See See what you can accomplish. See what kind of images you can create in a varied lighting situation. You can also look for objects that are out of place, such as an old soda can sitting in a gutter along a street that still has bright, vibrant colors. 
Make photos to highlight whatever it is that catches your eye. An old tire swing still hanging in a tree, a dilapidated barn in an empty field, or a rusty old car that sits in the woods. Now, when I lived in the Atlanta area, um, there was actually a really popular junkyard with old cars. It was called Old Car City. And a lot of photographers would go there and just walk the property. And it was, you know, these old cars were strung out all over the place. I mean, yeah, they had a, a primary staging area at the main entrance of the property um, where they had a lot of cars clustered together, kind of like in a virtual parking lot type layout. But then as you walk the property, you're going through the woods and you're finding, you know, old Chevys here or old Dodges there or maybe an old Studebaker or an old Packard or something like that. And those can make for amazing images. And that's why it is such a popular place for photographers to go. A lot of photographers like to go there and photograph those old rusty cars and trucks. It just makes for something interesting and different. Photography is about being able to, quote, see. It's not about the camera. The strongest photo is one that expresses itself most clearly. Often the strongest photos have the least amount of objects in them. So you can go with simplicity. You don't need to overly complicate things. Uh, one of my most popular photographs that I took many, many years ago uh, when I was living in Georgia uh, was an old 57 Chevy Bel Air that I found that was just sitting in the edge of a field uh, right at the tree line of some woods. And it was sitting there all by itself. It was pretty rusty and it was kind of rough looking. And and um, I think one of the headlights was busted out or something like that. But I, I snapped a picture of it just because it was I found it interesting. I've always liked the older cars and especially the Chevy Bel Airs. They were one of my favorite older vehicles. Um, that was ever made by any manufacturer. And it ended up being a super, super popular photograph. A lot of people really loved that photo when I posted it on social media. And it's been popular for many, many years. So it doesn't have to be an overly complex composition. You can take the simplest things and put a unique perspective on it. Just if you look at it, uh, not as everybody else does. Don't look, like I said, don't look at that, you know, soda can that's lying in the gutter is just a piece of trash. You know, examine it. Look at the colors, uh, especially if the, you know, the printing on it is still fairly vibrant. You know, if it hasn't faded away, you know, and all the colors bled out of the aluminum, just look at it from a different perspective. Don't look at it as trash, but look at it as something unique that you found while you were out just walking around with your camera. Now, another thing to consider is using creative lenses to make what seems mundane a lot more interesting. And you can experiment with, say, a Holga toy lens, which you can get those on Amazon for a little bit of nothing. I mean, they're just a, a cheap plastic lens. And you can get them for most camera mounts. So you could probably find one on Amazon that'll fit your camera, whether it's a Canon or a Nikon or a Fuji or a Sony or Pentax. Um, I believe they make the Holga toy lenses in most every major camera lens configuration as far as, you know, the bayonet on it to be able to attach it to most any camera body. You just got to look for the one that fits your camera body in particular. Or... You could go with any one of a number of lens baby lenses. 
Um, they have selective focus. Some of them have tilt abilities, or maybe most all of them do have tilt abilities. And another thing that Lens Baby does with their creative lenses that I really like is they put movable um, blades on the lens that you can move in and out of place in front of the front lens element. And they do that so you can create some interesting bokeh effects. Instead of just having, you know, your standard bokeh balls um, in your blurry out of focus parts in the background, you could have swirls or you could have curves and all kinds of interesting things. So a lens baby lens can be another way that you could take the mundane wherever you live and make it a lot more interesting. You could even use something like uh, the Fun Leader 18mm F8 cap lens that I bought not too long ago and see what you can make with it or break out some vintage glass with a lens adapter and give that a try. There's a lot of people out there that really absolutely love to shoot with vintage glass on a modern camera. Just because the older glass offers certain aesthetics that you can't get with the newer, more modern lenses. Um, and sometimes a photographer may want to use vintage glass because that glass has a certain amount of chromatic aberration that they find interesting or unique. Or it's because, you know, the older vintage glass gives them more of a film look to their images. Whatever it is, give it a try. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything, and it's not like... You, you, in photography, you can't really do anything wrong. Everything is subjective. So you as the artist can do whatever you like. It doesn't matter if the whole world doesn't ooh and ah over every image you take. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's important to just take images that you like. Especially if you're a professional photographer that gets paid all the time to do things for clients. A lot of times those photographers will keep their creative juices flowing by going out and doing personal projects on the side or something else. Or maybe they volunteer their photography skills to a nonprofit organization um, as, you know, as a way of doing something a little bit different to try to keep from getting into a rut creatively. Now, if you're stumped for ideas, I always suggest joining some photography groups. You could do that, do so on Facebook. Now, I know I'm not a huge fan of Facebook myself, but many of these photography groups will have weekly or monthly photo challenges to keep your juices flowing. Consider joining even a meetup group or a photography club in your local area. Many of these groups have what we call photo walks where the members go out once a month or every couple of weeks, they pick an area or an event to just walk around and shoot anything that catches their eye. And those can be a lot of fun. Plus you get a chance to go out and socialize with other photographers, learn from other photographers, especially if you're fairly new to photography or you're a photography student. A lot of times in these photography clubs, there'll be at least a handful of members that have been shooting for decades like myself. So you have the opportunity to interact with these people, to talk to them, to pick their brain, to watch, you know, how they approach something, how they shoot something to make something mundane a lot more interesting. So get in your car, drive around your area and look for things that stand out. Look for details. If driving around doesn't inspire you, go for a hike and take your camera along. There are always great images to be made in nature 
especially if you have macro capabilities. If you got a good macro lens or some macro tubes that you could put on a regular lens, then there's no limit to the interesting things that you could find in nature during a, a hike or a walk in the woods. Nighttime is another great option. Grab your tripod and go make some long exposure nighttime photography. Even the most boring street contains great images waiting to be made. Use a short tripod and a wide-angle lens for, for dramatic angles. Position along a street on a sidewalk and do a long exposure of the cars driving by. The taillights make for really awesome light effects, almost like the cars are moving at warp speed. Your studio is also a great place to make images and express your creativity. I'm building my studio. Uh, I'm actually, I've ordered a new building here in North Carolina. Uh, the house we have is only a single story. There's no basement like our previous house in Atlanta had. So I went to a local shed company and I ordered a 10 by 20 foot barn style shed that is going to be coming soon. I think it's supposed to possibly be in at the shed company, uh, the local dealer by the end of this week, hopefully. Um, so maybe I'll, it'll be delivered here to our property by the end of next week. Uh, and then I'm going to have a lot of work to do. I'm going to have to finish the interior. You know, I've got to insulate the walls. I've got to put up interior walls, sheetrock or whatever the case may be. I got to put in flooring over top of the, the plywood flooring that it comes with by default. And I'm also planning to section off a small amount of it in the back of the building. I want to make a separate kind of self-contained room that'll be my pod podcasting room. And so I'll put up a, you know, I'll get two by fours and I'll put up a partition wall on the far end of the shed towards the back. I don't know how many feet I'm going to use it. I bought a 10 by 20 shed and it didn't dawn on me at the time, but I bought one that has a cute little porch on the end of it with a human, you know, with a regular human sized house door and one window. And it's a 10 by 20 shed. And I didn't think about it until just recently, but with the porch, I'm actually only getting like 16 feet of shed because four feet is the porch. So the little porch that's on it. So uh, I'm actually only going to have like 10 by 16, which kind of sucks because I was originally going to section off five to seven feet for the podcasting room. And I might have to make it a little bit smaller than that now. But I, I mean, it's not the worst situation in the world because I'm planning on putting up sound dampening panels and all that stuff so that the audio will be really good in that room. And it should help with the audio, audio quality in my podcast going forward. So that that building will be here soon but like i said then i've got to take the time to finish it got to put in the flooring the insulation the interior walls i gotta put in more electrical outlets ceiling light fixtures i've got to get power run to the building then i'll have to get a window uh, a window unit that's a combination air conditioning and heat pump so i have a way to heat and cool the building so i can use it all year round um, it's going to basically be my podcasting and YouTube studio, as well as my own little private office here at the house. Um, one of the current extra bedrooms Tina and I are sharing right now is a computer room. Uh, but once my building gets here, she's booting me out to there. And she'll have this room all to herself for her computer room. Uh, but that's fine. And uh, I'm even uh, probably even going to start another computer repair business. I had one for many years in Pennsylvania. Um, there isn't currently a computer repair shop within 40 miles of where we live. 
And I've talked to a lot of people locally, you know, and they say, yeah, we're really hurting for one of those. You know, we need somebody that can, you know, we can bring our computers to to get them fixed and upgraded and all that good stuff. So I'll probably do that as well. I'll probably do everything out of the one building to start. And then maybe if the computer business picks up like it did when I had my last store in Pennsylvania and gets making really good money, I may order another separate building just for the computer shop. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And if I do that, or maybe I'll use the, the first building for the computer shop and maybe I'll buy an even longer building to use for my studio because they do offer, the same company offers a, uh, a 10 by 36 barn style as well, um, which minus the shed would give me 32 usable feet in length on the interior, which would be a lot of room. <laughs> A lot of room for setting up the podcasting and YouTube stuff and running a portrait studio and all that kind of cool stuff. So just some some things I'm thinking about doing um, and that I'm planning to do. Now, many photographers create their own realities in their studio, anything from miniature cities or towns to model railroads. And there's lots of other ideas that can help you make fantastic images and spark your creativity. Just remember that great images come from within. So get out there and get those creative juices flowing. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at ForgottenPiecesOfGeorgia.com and ForgottenPiecesOfPennsylvania.com. All right, and that's going to wrap up episode 158 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested, uh, my first book in the Forgotten Pieces of Georgia series has been available since this past November. You can stop by the LiamPhotography.net online store to pick up a signed copy, or you can get an unsigned copy at Amazon.com or or barnesandnoble.com. Also remember to check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. Uh, stop by, subscribe, watch the videos, like them, share them out, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content is released. And you can do the same for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania. All right, that is going to wrap this episode, and I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.